You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Carol Silverstein. Carol, thanks so much for being with me today. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Thanks for having me, Brainerd. Carol, you have a show that's closing. We're talking on December 23rd, and... um, you have a, a show, as, as I understand it, called She Wears Her Potency as Ornaments, The Garden, um, which was a solo show that ran from November 6th of this year, 2021, to, um, to today, December 23rd. Is, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So let's talk about that show. Um, this is, of course, at Nancy Toomey Fine Art um, in Minnesota, San Francisco, uh, Minnesota Street, San Francisco. Um, tell me a little bit about this show because it sounds like it, in part, is also uh, a response to the to the last year or two years of this pandemic. Yeah, well, all of the work is from the time since the the lockdown. Actually, I had a previous show in Santa Monica called "In Your Thousand Other Forms." that um, closed two weeks early when everything locked down. And it was from then, you know, it was, um, I, like everybody else with how to deal with the pandemic, I felt a lot of despair and um, fear and anxiety with all of the uncertainty that we were all facing. And um, I started these small little drawings because it it felt really, doable (laughs) like just to ground myself I started drawing these flowers and they evolved I thought I would never show any any of them Um, so it was this new series that I started of these little um, colored pencil and watercolor and salt drawings and it really connected to my having taking taken neighborhood walks and how crucial those neighborhood walks were to my well-being and in these drawings, I would also throw stains, pools of watercolor and salt. And it was about interacting with that uncertainty that I think I was just enacting in these drawings. And also, it, it, this body of work ended up bringing me back to my larger paintings. I've always worked with patterns and these themes with patterns and, and infinity and, and all kinds of ideas that I've worked with patterns for, for decades now. But it definitely morphed into the imagery of the flower and the arabesque and growth and transformation. And so I want to talk a little bit about the, the process. You talk about throwing salt on there and, and water pencils. Um, how, does, how does that work? What, what kind of salts are you using and, and how does that react? Because I, I haven't really heard of approaching work on paper that way before. Oh, okay. Well, what I would do is I was drawing first in colored pencils, um, very, very detailed, and images, the flowers were coming from the sources that I already look, look at already. First, it started off with Dutch tulips from the 17th century, so it's really from art, from lotuses, from Asian textiles, from China, Japan, or from the Taj Mahal. I was taking these images of the flower, and really drawing, and it grounded me in observation and um, just processing the world. And then at a different time, I would be on the floor, and, and they're small, they're nine by six inches, 
and I have liquid watercolor, and I would just pour pools um, of the liquid watercolor, um, mixing them, and they would take a long time to dry. You throw in regular salt on top of it, and it creates another kind of pattern that's unexpected. You can't plan for how it's going to dry. Um, so that was the second part of the, the process in these, these small drawings. Um, and so it was that interaction between very controlled and precise and detailed to the organic flow and unpredictability and the beauty of what would happen to um, the watercolor. But then the salt came in. When, how did the salt mm-hmm. come in? Because you're talking about pooling watercolor and, and uh, liquid gouache, I imagine. But then where did the salt come in? Well, when you, when you put the salt in, it's just the way that it, it dries because of the water, the interaction with salt and water. The way it dries, it's, it makes another kind of pattern. Um, you kind of have to I see, see but, 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 that, but, that's, but that's, as it's pooling on there, you're putting in like a, like a t- table salt or what type of salt is that? Yeah, table salt, just kosher salt from the kitchen. I just have a, a little cup of it and I sprinkle as much. Well, uh, in well, as well I kosher salt is pretty coarse, but that, 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 that's cool. So then the the salt right is reacting to the water; it's absorbing the water right and and, and changing yes. the patterns essentially. Yes, exactly, exactly, yeah. And, and, and then, so then these evolved into paintings. Is this what was the, the genesis of the paintings? Yeah, so I work on, um, I work on mylar uh, with acrylic inks on the floor. So working with gravity and, and the, the water element uh, with the inks is a big part of it. Um, and so I was looking a lot at the arabesques from Islamic sources, um, from Persian miniature paintings and creating screens with them, these sort of frames and borders, um, looking, through, uh, looking through the frames and borders of these arabesques. And I combine, you know, the images from different sources, patterns from Japan, from Persian miniatures, from different architecture or textiles, and um, to create this kind of visual spatial experience in the paintings. Um, so, so yeah, it, it definitely, the, what, what happened in the watercolor drawings um, started to influence what was happening in the larger paintings, both with the flower imagery, this sort of life force, um, and this sense of, you know, the life force transformation ever flowering. And, uh, you know, I was also providing these sort of veils and screens that you look through and these gradations that the sense of, like, space beyond I like that so um, so in this show um, she wears her potency as ornaments the garden let's to step back a little bit let's talk about the mm-hmm. whole show um, mm-hmm. that title in, in some ways seems um, like a narrative to me clear but could you tell me a little bit about that title she wears her potency as ornaments yes. parentheses the garden which which I like it's just lovely to read yes well, um, it's a lot. There's many things that I'm thinking about in making this work, um, and really, part of it is an ele- uh, elevation of the feminine, um, both in the colors and just my sensibility um, in the decorative the ornamentation. That elevation of that, and 
you know, that phrase, she wears her potency as ornaments, the garden, the first part of the phrase really has to do with a Hindu goddess. Um, again, it's another source that, that, you know, this incredible beauty, there's a power and a force behind it. It's sort of like what I was seeing, you know, in my neighborhood walks in the beginning of the pandemic and even now going on to into two years, um, you know, just the sense of life cycles and things transforming, um, that there's a force beyond this moment uh, that's happening with our, not only the pandemic, but the rise of fascism and kind of the despair that one can feel, one does feel, I feel. And this, these were sort of affirmations and prayers for looking at the life force and beyond our historical moment in a way. Um, so she wears her potency as ornaments. You know, I've been working in the, in the world, the language of ornamentation and from many different cultures and time periods for a long time. Um, so it's a co- combining of those things, but there's, it's that potency behind, you know, it's the life force behind um, that's ever flowering and, and continuing and renewing itself. And the yeah, garden, because, a, yeah, I'm go sorry, going in the garden because, and the garden is the theme. You know, it's such a rich theme for me. You know, I mean, in all cultures, you know, from Iran to you know the Garden of Eden, and um, just as a rich metaphor about life. Uh, and so that's a lot of what I was thinking about. What are we cultivating? Yeah. And when this, so so how has this show been? I mean, this show is in, in kind of like a. Um, like just in between time, right? You're you're running from November 3rd to December 23rd in 2021. Did people come to the opening? Was this was because that was a little bit of a window, wasn't it? Of, uh, of 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 people feeling like we're coming we're coming back. We can go to openings now. Galleries are open and. Um, we can talk to each other, maybe even with masks off. Of course, that all seems to have changed, especially in New York City right now. Um, right. So, so, so how, how was the opening? Was it that kind of like uh, exhale, like, wow, we're having shows again? And um... It absolutely was. <clears throat> it really was. It was um, a really wonderful opening. I was a little nervous. I mean, everyone wore masks. It's in a complex called uh, Minnesota Street Project, which is a really wonderful place and has many galleries so there was a a big opening for all the galleries so I was a little nervous about it getting too crowded but it never did it was very full lots of people coming through um, but it was never felt too crowded Um, and I had really great responses to it it felt really wonderful the other element to the show is that I included these satin and sequin runners uh, along the borders of the gallery floor, um, beautiful colors that interacted with the um, paintings, and then also some silver tape drawings in certain patterns on the floor as well. So it was a real embodied experience experience of being in the space with these paintings. Um, and yeah, it was an incredible time. And now that we're having this rise of Omicron, uh, it's quite surreal that uh, there was this window. At the beginning of January 2021, I spoke with my gallery dealer, 
Nancy Tuman, I thought, well, things have got to be better by the end of the year. I've got this body of work. Can I have a show? And we said, yeah, let's do it. And um, so it is strange that, um, you know, I'm glad. I'm so grateful that, that I had this window, but people were coming in to see it in person. And let's talk about what you did with the, with the floor as well, as you were saying, because, of course, there's um, uh, work on the wall, some of which we've been discussing, but also, as you said, on, on the floor, there were, um, it looks like colorful strips of, I don't know whether it was cloth or paper, running around the edges of the rooms, layered on each other. Mm-hmm. It, it looks mm-hmm. to me, from what I can see, uh, on, on the threshold, there's silver tape, as well as around plinths. Um, tell me a little bit about it and how expansive that was and, and, and what that was really about. Yeah, so what it is uh, running along the borders of the floor is actually satin. So the way that it reflects light is a lot like the way that my paintings reflect light. I do have like silver um, a leaf in one of my paintings and, and some reflective elements, gold and other reflective elements in the paintings. And it happens also in the floor fabrics, which are sequin and satin, um, and also the silver tape. So there's a, a shift that happens with light, both in the paintings and in the floor elements. Um, part of it is, there's many reasons why I've done it. In the past, I have done... Uh, floor installations with colored sand and it's a reference to the Tibetan sand mandalas um, and it's also a kind of grounding what it does is what I think the paintings do too which is to have it be grounding and ethereal uh, simultaneously there's an intimacy and an expansiveness in my work um, and there's a somatic experience I'm wanting you to have in the space. Why along the borders of the floor had to do with those borders and frames in the paintings. So there's a, a lot of different meanings for me. There's also a ritual element of me having created the show, like before the paintings got put up, but before it's complete, these other elements had to be in there. Um, a lot like thinking about, you know, the Tibetan sand mandalas, Haitian veve drawings, um, Rangoli drawings in India that are done on the floor. They're kind of like another kind of prayer. So those are some so of the reasons why. Yeah, that, that's, so, that's so interesting. So there's a lot of elements in there we could, we could discuss. Um, but, but essentially, you know, this is, these have, it sounds like personal meanings for you and, and it does provide context for the for the viewer, right? The viewer is coming in and they're looking at the floor, and and yeah, there does seem to be something almost ritualistic about that. Of course, when these are uh, are bought and installed in homes, um, that doesn't come with it, right? This is an installation that's that's only for for gallery exhibition, or or does this come into homes? Well, so far, it's only been for gallery um, exhibition, and I'm really excited to do more of them <laughs> as well. Um, but I've not been asked by any collector to do it, but I would so love to do that. I would love to do that, yeah, in a home or other space. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I mean, that, I just, that, that, that's so interesting. Yeah, I'm sorry, go on, yeah. No, I was just going to say, you know, it reminded me, you just reminded me that in, 
2015, I was in a group show um, called We Must Risk Delight at the Venice Biennale, which was fantastic. And um, I brought some drawings uh, out of paper um, with words, and I installed them throughout Venice during, during that time I was there for the, for the opening as temporary, you know, ephemeral drawings that just got put up and I'm sure got taken down or fell off or whatever. So there is that element about the, the ephemeral and the temporal that, that really interests me. And, and that comes into play with how the light moves through the space um, in the paintings themselves. I have a, a wonderful collector who's been collecting my work for many years, and she tells me she loves watching the light shift throughout the day how it changes in the painting. And she's a quilter. This is so ideal for me. So she's a quilter. And that's the kind of, you know, slow looking and experiencing and processing through life that um, I really connect to. Anyway, those are my associations. I like those associations. And so during the show, how, how, how was it received? Were there... Um uh, were there surprises for you in terms of how people reacted or, or conversations that were started that you didn't expect or were particularly interesting? You know, um, I got a lot of lovely feedback at the opening, um, but I have to say, it, it because of the masks, um, I ha- didn't have as much conversation in the gallery with people, it was a little bit, a little bit trickier, you know, to have full conversations, I think, about it. Maybe that's, I, I had in my previous show really, you know, in-depth conversations um, with people in the, sh- in the show, but that was pre-pandemic. So um, I've gotten a lot of great feedback, but, but it's a little more distant. And, um, and so how do, you, how do you feel on this closing day? Closing days are always sort of like a, I, I don't know, a celebration and also, um, I don't know, yeah. like something like, like postpartum, you know, uh, feelings or something like that. How does, how does it feel and to have, like, this show in this, like, peculiar window, but also, you know, as a, as a reflection of the, of the pandemic because you're, you're really presenting something that's, um, that's empowering potentially, but also very, very tender? Yeah. Um, that's such a great question, Brainerd. I am, I feel, I do feel postpartum. I feel sadness that, um, that it's coming down. And so grateful because I feel really proud of this show. I feel like it, it went to a different level for me uh, with all the different elements coming together in a new way. Um, so I'm both sad and really happy. I was just talking to my husband about let's celebrate tonight. You know, it is a celebration and it is a sadness and it is of a particular time. And whenever there's a show, even, you know, when I came back from San Francisco because I'm in L.A., um, you know, starting again, the healing happens, you know, like to restart, you know, so I've been making collages um, and finding ways back into painting into what's next so that's the big question but it's all you know again that engagement with uncertainty that we as artists do um so yeah that's where that's where i'm at with it 
Well, thanks for sharing that with me. And uh, I, I want to ask you one more question. What are you reading at the moment? <laughs> well, I read a lot of things online, articles and so on, but in terms of in terms of a book, uh, I just recently got out of the library, The Power of Now. I think that was, um, I was craving some Eckhart Tolle and um, a little bit more of The Power of Now. But I'm really excited to read um, Rebecca Solnit's Orwell's Roses. And um, yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm up to right now with reading. Well, Carol, I want to... I want to thank you for talking with me today, and um, congratulations on your show. Um, you certainly deserve to celebrate, and, uh, and I wish you well for your upcoming work. Thanks so much for talking with me today. Thank you for having me, Brainerd. It was a pleasure. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.